We're back with another episode of the Unstoppable Podcast. I'm here with the legend that is Nico Vanderhorst. Appreciate appreciate the introduction as a le- legend, but uh, great yeah. to have you. <laughs> I don't think Nico needs an introduction. For those of you who don't know, he's the most followed watch expert in the the watch world. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, that's weird to to hear as well. As <laughs> a legend that is, yeah, it is quite weird. Yeah. yeah, he's almost been rehomed in Northern Ireland, and he's he's one of our own now. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm being uh, I'm properly been taken in as a refugee and uh, been accepted <laughs> in this country. It's ridiculous. I love it. <laughs> yeah, but what what actually drew you over here? Or what was the kind of initial first thing to bring you over here? Nothing really, because I didn't know anything about Northern Ireland nor the island of Ireland. Um, that's the that's the funny bit, right? I didn't even know. Like I thought that everyone p- had euros when I moved there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it turned out to be different, but no, it was it was the possibility to play football um, here in Northern Ireland, and um, had an opportunity after that to uh, for a job here, and it was just a lot of basically. Yeah. yeah, but I loved this. I loved when I arrived here. I remember this quite well. So it came. Came off the ferry from Kern Ryan to Belfast, right? I drove to the city. I'm like, this is cool. This is quite <laughs> cool. Aye. Oh, no, it's good. And you started off playing football. You got injured, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. I broke my ankle. Yeah, that yeah. was quickly over. Yeah, that was, uh, yeah. But so. I'm sure, like, and that's the thing, I suppose you, you kind of take things as an opportunity to do something different. So that's obviously put you down the path that you're not currently on. The thing is, right, so I'm a, I'm a former pro, played in the Netherlands, uh, got severely injured with my knees, uh, my left knee, uh, reconstruction, um, and a surgery called mosaic plastique. So I couldn't play at that level. I had the opportunity to uh, to go and play in, in, in Northern Ireland and <laughs> never had problems with my ankle. <laughs> snapped it. Yeah. And that was just a Scored a great goal uh, while I broke it. Oh yeah, yep. that's a story. So, uh, and growing up in the Netherlands and kind of coming over here, how was that, or what was life like over in in home when you were? Netherlands was Netherlands was it was like my youth was actually really good. I've I've, I've my my parents were great. I have great people around me. The problem is I just never felt at home until I arrived in in, in Northern Ireland. It's really weird. I don't know if anyone has ever felt that, but just not feeling home, but yeah. not knowing what that is. And then you move country and then you just find out. It's like, I want to be here. And yeah. that was Northern Ireland for me. And still today, I was a few days ago, I was in the Netherlands. Yeah. It's like, I just, I can't wait to get back to, Northern, to get yeah. back to Northern Ireland, you know? Yeah, no, 100%. And I suppose whenever you moved over, like making new friends, making new connections, learning a language, I suppose you probably knew English. No, now. I already spoke yeah. English. Like, but mean, outside of that, how, how was that for you? How did you kind of put yourself in rooms that you wanted to be in, meet the right people, kind of make the connections that you wanted to make? I think that that came years after I moved, you know, um, <laughs> my first week, um, you know, where, what is the street that Chris Suter's shop is on? What do you call that street, right? You, have, it, you w- basically walk from uh, that time Café Vaudeville in one straight line to a hotel called Premier Inn. Yeah. Right, that hotel, right? So I stayed at that hotel the first week um, of me and I didn't know anyone. I was just walking around. So I put myself in a position that I didn't know anyone, which was fantastic. And then I started to learn, started to get to know people. That mm-hmm. night... My first night in Belfast, I met a still a very good friend of mine, Andrew Thompson. Uh, Andrew, how are you? Um, 
Um, he's actually a lecturer at Queen's, right? Uh-huh. But I was trying to hit on his girlfriend. <laughs> True story this, right? I, I was trying to hit on his girlfriend. Then I figured out, oh, she has a boyfriend. And that was Andrew, and we started talking, and it was great crap. Yeah. It was, he's actually English, he's from Brighton. And uh, we just got on, yeah. and we became friends, and the girlfriend at a certain point, uh, <laughs> they broke up, or whatever, whatever, but that was years, years after, right? But, uh, and I had nothing to do with that, man. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just really funny. He's still my, still my friend. Yeah. Did you find, like, as you kind of became more interesting, i.e., like you started a business, grew a business, your connections kind of changed then over time oh, off yeah, the back yeah. of it? Like, I lived in Northern Ireland for about four or five years before, uh, no, f- five or six years before I started my business. Like, I yeah. mean, I just had friends that I just played food. I, I lived in Banbridge. lived in, f- funny enough, my first house was Eglantine Avenue, yep. right? So it's a very studenty area, yeah. right? And we lived above a nursery. And I lived with three other Dutch people, which was an absolute disaster <laughs> because I left the country because I'd never felt it. And then I am around the that same people. You see what I mean? And it just didn't work. And I got my first, I met a girl and got my first apartment in Belly McCarrot Road, East Belfast, right? Fantastic. One apartment. Yeah. Lived there for two months. And then I subletted it because I got fired from my job and I needed to have money. So I subletted it for double and stayed at Andrew's house, <laughs> right? So that was quite funny, right? So I always tried to hustle around things and like that. And I didn't really have connections, never really built connections. And I just had, I met people and they were nice. Yeah. And never thought about business, you know? Yeah, because I, I think the first time we met was at a Northern Ireland match and you were kind of in and around that circle. That's how I kind of came across you uh, before the whole social media thing and all was through all your footballers, a friendly uh, with Nam again, and then got to know you and, uh, and kind of seen all your stuff. Uh, that's quite funny because that is at a later stage, right? Yeah. This is me moving country. People thought I moved country for my business. Yeah, because no. that's what I thought. No, 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 no. I lived there already for four or five years yeah. before I even thought about um, and what year did you start the business then? 2017. Not long ago then? Ah, 2017, I, st- I didn't start the business. It was me quitting my job. So basically, I worked in Dublin, right? Yeah. Carrick Mines. And I lived in Banbridge. So after Belly McCarrot, I met the girl, moved to the, her hometown, which was Banbridge. Made a lot of friends in Banbridge, played football every Monday, Wednesday, and yeah. Sunday. You see what I mean? Just yeah, having yeah. fun and yeah. just local lad. No one knew me, Dutch, whatever. I was part of the, the group of lads from younger lads and older lads. You know, it was just Banbridge. It was fantastic. What a great time. I still, I would love to go back to that time again yeah. and just play football like nothing yeah, ever course. happened. You know, it's funny. But I drove from Banbridge to Dublin, Carrick Mines, Junction 15 on the M50, every day, right? Every day, because I just wanted to stay with my girlfriend at the time, right? And I've, I've done that for three and a half years, and then I just said, this, I'm gonna do something I actually love. I didn't really like the job, I was all right at it, but um, it was for Photophone, but I just, I just wanted to do watches, mate. I always repaired watches. I always fixed watches 
from when I was younger and I always done that as a side hustle, but never never thought about creating a yeah. business. But in September, I just quit my job and I was, September 2017, I just quit my job and I was like, this, I'm gonna repair watches and I'm gonna sell watches. And what was the first watch you sold? Um, I think it was a Tudor Pelagos or it was a Brentling Nevy timer. So you didn't have a shop or a premises at no, this point? No, you no, basically no. Just... I never, I never had a shop, really. Yeah. I just, I just sold watches in my car. Yeah. People from Northern Ireland, like this, I always say this, right? Like the business is now one of the biggest in Europe, right? Um, like the biggest, not just in volume or volume, but it's in as well brand recognition or not, or or big retailers in in Europe. In my industry, we're one of the biggest in Europe, which is mind blowing. But <coughs> the business on its own was just me selling watches and a bit of my car. And if I started that business, and I always say this, in any other country bar Northern Ireland, I would have failed. And I'm just saying this as a positive. The people in Northern Ireland were extremely gullible and trustworthy. Luckily, and luckily I only had good intentions because I would, I know many people in London that would have f***ed about with that. You see what I mean? Because that's what I was thinking. How do you build <coughs> trust whenever you turn up and you're selling someone to watch out of the back exactly. of your car? I don't know how... It, like I'm convinced about this. The people, If I started my business in any other country, I would have failed. The support I received from people from Northern Ireland is bizarre. And it's just the maddest thing ever. And, and I feel now... Now the business is at a certain level, I feel responsibility to pay that back. Yeah. Like genuinely, I'm like, I'm trying to be involved as much as charity things as I can, including Oscar Knox Cup, which I do every single year. Yeah. I, and for me, I really, like, I wouldn't be here where I am without the people uh, in, in Northern Ireland, for sure, yeah. yeah. That's a re weird one to really realize. Like, Yeah, and it's mad to think, because it shows you what this country's like and people will trust oh. you if you're a nice person. They get on with you, they'll say, right, this guy just wants to sell me a watch. The, the funniest bit, right, is this is my first couple of years in Northern Ireland, right? These guys all hate each other, but love the foreigners, right? It's <laughs> mad. I always said this. People yeah. in Northern Ireland hate each other, but <laughs> me, they love the foreigners. <laughs> you see what I mean? Yeah, and see, see, I suppose, knowing what you know now, and if you resume back to the 18-year-old Nico, what advice would you give that guy? I would have... I would have done a lot of things different, but the end result where I am today, I'm 36 years old. I am extremely grateful for the position that I'm in, right? I, I'm not, I'm not going to lie. It's been an extremely rough road. Uh, it's been hell and back several times, but it uh, absolutely every bit of that shaped, shaped me for, it, it made me who I am today. I wouldn't change a bit of that. I would just say, I would just say to myself, be more patient, it will come. Hard work will always be rewarded. The moment you add enough value, that's the moment you will receive. But you need to think about add value first. Yeah, because people will see you as this overnight success and lockdown came out with all these YouTube followers. and yeah. Which is, which is a fact, which is yeah. a fact. It, it's true, but equally, all the work that you did in the previous 10 years actually led up to yeah. this, what you have But today. like YouTube, we had a lot of luck, Jesus mm. Christ. But luck is sometimes what you need, right? And sometimes luck is not no coincidence. And I'm not saying that I, I'm the know-all do-all, absolutely no chance. I've had luck and I'm very grateful for that. The thing is, 
being on top of the game now for a long time and pushing on, that is not luck. That's planning and that is persistence. That is that is just mental resilience and building a great team of people around you because the people here still, that still work in my business, most of them are there from the start, you know? Yeah, and that's the thing. And I suppose whenever we kind of fast forward to recent years, becoming a father, having yeah. a family and all, how's that been? A uh, life changer, right? There's a good friend of mine that once told me, Nico, you'll never make no, no, never make more money than the moment you become a father. And I was like, what, what are you talking about? It's a load of And I'm like, I realized that's the case. But money isn't, like money, don't get me wrong, money is not the motivation, it's not the drive, it's not the means to the end, it's a load of right? Money comes and goes, so I'm not really very much interested in that. But legacy, that is something that's very important, right? We add value, which is key. But when my wee boy was born, legacy all of a sudden became, it became, it, I need to, I instead of giving advice, I'd rather set the example. So I started thinking as I'm like, I need to set the example. I want him to, you see what I mean? It's really weird what the, what, what a birth of a child does to a man's brain. It's to be honest yeah. but it is amazing at the same time yeah it's that instant switch it gives you a sense of purpose it gives oh, you a yeah. reason other than just you because sometimes when people try to do anything and it's just for themselves it, it doesn't really last very long but then when you've got this other human relying on you oh, man. like uh, I have another one on the way which is fantastic and I can't amazing. wait I can't wait and then we have our family together right and I'm not, I'm, what I do, and listen, I get paid very well for it I'm very fortunate on that and I will not deny that but Money is not the f***ing most important bit. It's about family. It's about creating the pathways now for for the next generation, and uh, that is my main motivation. Yeah. And how do you find? Obviously, you have to travel a lot for work and things yeah. like that. How how are you managing that? Like with the whole family thing. It's funny. Like seventy five percent of the year I travel, and people think as ah, a jet set lifestyle. But let me tell you one thing: there's nothing less glamorous than sitting on an eleven hour flight. Okay, you sit maybe first class or business class, but there's nothing less glamorous than being absolutely destroyed, not being able to breathe because cabin pressure is different, and you have a blocked nose, and you're sitting there while you want to be with your children. People think. It's jet set life is fantastic. Uh, stop looking at Instagram. It's not glamorous at all. I I genuinely travel seventy five percent of the year. I've done this year over eighty five flights. There's an app where you track that, yeah. and I mean it is very hard. It's got and the funny bit is the first four months of his his life when I traveled, I was like. Ah, this is easy, I can do this. Then I started to doubt myself. I was like, am I actually emotionally connected to this child or what's the crack here? You yeah. see what I mean? And I'm like, I'm not feeling this. And I'm like, I, th I started to doubt myself. Is there something wrong with me? Am I a psychopath or what's the crack, right? And then I realized, I'm like, oh, that's normal. A lot of people have that. And then whenever, like now, he's just nine months now, he's nearly 10 months, I'm like, Wow, it's really doing, it's really, really hard. I just got back from America there last week. Then I had the Netherlands. Because I missed him so much, I booked my missus and Junior on that flight. I was like, they're coming with me on a business trip. Because yeah. I was like, I can't, this is just too hard. Yeah, no, 100%. And I suppose, like, you talked about the drawbacks of travel. People will see the highlights of travel. Oh, they see, oh, look, he's in Miami, all yeah. sun is shining. That's only yeah. enjoyable for 10 minutes, mate. Yeah. The rest, I'm 
been working. Yeah, and also I suppose, and and I'm interested to hear the answer to this question. I'm sure a lot of the listeners will be. When you're on a private jet, what is the actual reality of it? It's a load of. <laughs> that's what it is. Right? I think if you really want to attract people with a with 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 private jets and acting like it's a load of. <laughs> you need to have a good look at yourself in the mirror. You're scumbag because first of all right you can't take a normal pish in that toilet right depends on the size of the jet but average jet 90% of the jets here in Northern Ireland right or the land in Northern Ireland you cannot stand I'm short I'm short I'm five foot nothing right I am short I can't stand taking a piss in the back of a plane that's not comfortable it's not cool a private jet is not cool it's convenient from times but these shorter jets only do an hour, two hours, or they only do two, three hours. But then you need to refuel and wait again. Yeah, and when you're on a private jet out of interest, you don't have to share this, but how much would someone pay to- London average, so I flew my last time, and this was, I mean, this is just born out of insecurities, right? You want to be the Billy Big Balls yeah. or whatever, and acting like whatever. I've that. I've had that period, right? Yeah. I can't be in, like in my life yeah, goes in period. I can't be arsed. I flew from Belfast and the Netherlands to pick up my friend up, and then to Liverpool to see the Ajax Liverpool Ajax game, right? Mm. Champions League, um, which Ajax is not going to play anytime soon anymore, unfortunately. <laughs> Liverpool as well, by the way. <laughs> no, <laughs> um, so. Um, that cost me 17 grand. And I was like, what the f- am I doing with my life here? Yeah. Like, what the f-? But it's good, it's good to have those lessons and I really appreciate oh. sharing that because I think so many people idolize people who go on private jets and they do fancy things, but equally, sometimes we're doing it for the wrong reasons. Like, now, you I, know the thing is, there's some coach and I'm not naming his name, right? And I'll probably get backlash for this, but I don't really give a f- I'm not here to make enemies, but I'm here to speak the truth. And luckily, Northern Ireland is still a place where you can speak freely, right? Um, the fact that someone stands in front of a private jet doesn't mean it's his private jet, may I add. I know the owner very well of the private jet I'm seeing. And that private jet is owned by a good friend and client of mine, right? Or other jets as well. I know people that have a few jets in there, had a few jets through their lives, right? But now comes the thing, right? These people, these people that act like, oh, you want to be in a private jet, I'll help you out. These people do more damage than they actually help people. So to give you an idea, right? This is what I hate about this. If there's 10 people that join this, I'm going to go and be rich and whatever the and mad course, right? If there's 10 people joining, if there's two people at absolute max to be a success out of that, he's harming eight and he's he's helping two. Now that's bad. Yeah, and it's it's damaging people's mental health because yeah. they see this this picture and they, they You do they not think. need a private jet to be cool, right? If you're 21 years old, you do not need money, right? I started my business when I was 29. I have millions of examples of people that just started in their late 30s, in their mid 30s. Like why do do you want to be 21 and have to carry the responsibilities that I'm carrying at 35, which is horrendous at times. Why do you not want to enjoy your life first from 20 to 30? Business and money and other stupid that comes, right? That comes, if you want that, if you want that hard enough, 100%, but why do you want to carry this stuff and responsibilities that that big CEOs do. But you know what? I've, I've learned that Instagram and social media is one big 
lie. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm quite sad about that. Yeah, but, but I love the fact that you're sharing that because I think so many people can take value from this. And I think we spend so much time on social media nowadays and we're in this position where we're comparing ourselves to others all the time. And we think, right, how can I get myself to this place where I drive this jet? And so many people reading and listening to this podcast will, will think that and want to do that. But the reality is what it's actually, it's not what it's all cracked up to no, be. No, the funny bit is that you introduce me as a legend or whatever as, as this guy, but on the other on the, on the other hand, on the rea- reality hand, I'm a 36-year-old male that um, is not living, living a very healthy lifestyle, that is overweight and smokes and does whatever, right? Um, I don't do drugs, by the way. Um, I drink, I don't, I've, I barely drink anymore. Funny enough, I stopped that because I just, because I'm away so much, yeah. you constantly in our social circles, so constantly drinking. I had to stop that because I'm just like, I was blowing up, mate. I was just When you see someone that is working and is exhausted at any moment of the day, any moment of the day, I feel exhaustion. Is that really something that you want to you wanna be? No, I think what you, like all the, all the 1 million subscribers or whatever the that is all a vanity metric. That's all a vanity metric, right? I'm grateful that I can do what I love every single day, and this is what keeps me and make gets me out of bed. And it, it, I love this so much, and I appreciate the love from so many people that I receive across the world, right? We're pulling about forty to fifty million views on YouTube alone. People watch me, and and some people hate me, some people love me. Uh, whatever it is, I appreciate it. You see what I mean? But no one sees that. Like the reality of that is that you're always away from family, you're exhausted, you're exhausted and whatever. No one sees the real deal, right? Yeah. But if you go on my Instagram, you see it's one big party, but whatever you want to believe, like. Yeah, and this is the thing, and I suppose this is a hard question, and I want to know, and someone asked me this recently, and, and I kind of struggled to answer, but if we strip your business away, you're watch thing your youtube all that stuff who would you introduce yourself as Nico, the same as i do today i don't introduce myself any different yeah to the biggest people in the world i was speaking with the ceo of bugatti there uh, a week and a half ago didn't know who i was and i just talked to cars and then someone came running of the marketing department to him and was like oh and then all of a sudden i got attention yeah and i'm like but i didn't want that yeah. i want to be a normal dude you know yeah, and you want to be liked and respected for who you are. Oh, yeah, are. yeah. I don't give a f- about followers and views and shit like that. I appreciate it because it allows me to bring the business to where it is. But I am i don't want to be a different person than I was prior to that. I'm a ma- I was a mad b- then and I'm a mad b- now. Yeah, and I think that, is- that's what I respect about you because I met you five, six years ago and you're still the exact same guy five, six right. years later. But I have more responsibilities, but the responsibility should never change the person. It should... It, you should grow as a person, but the core personality should always be in there. You see what I mean? And with the, with the team, listen, mate, there's not, this is the beauty about Northern Ireland, right? If you stick up, stick out your head anywhere in Northern Ireland or you're doing something well, the Nor- Northern, people from Northern Ireland will put you back in your place. And that's what I love, right? That's what I love. If I, in any way, shape or form, uh, lost those sense of reality, I have great people around me anyway. Um, uh, but I come back home as like that. Wise up, act normal, love that, right? Yeah, big time, a hundred percent. And do you know what baffles me about your videos, the whole watch thing, is you can rhyme off every single reference number. Yeah. 
How, how do you kind of, how did you memorize them? Do you? It's passion, mate, it's passion. I'm a complete mad believer that if you love something, so dearly you can be the best at it in the world, right? You can do something for your entire lifetime and you can become the best at it, right? Reference numbers and watches and like that, I've seen hundreds of thousands of watches in my life, right? I don't know, I'm just rad, I'm just blaring a weird number, right? I'm just screaming a weird number here. But I've just seen so many watches in my life and I've always done research and watches. So it's passion, mate. So if someone walked in today, wearing a certain watch, you could yeah, rhyme off yeah, the I can, or I can literally say, well, and we go to a restaurant. This is also what I do every day. So look at man's wrists and women's asses. <laughs> and yes, my missus knows. There's nothing wrong with that. And, and what's the reference number of this watch then? RM35, Baby Nadal. That's yeah. easy because it's the watch I'm wearing. Richard Mille, RM35, Baby Nadal. Class. There you go, Ross. Take a look at that. Yeah, that's cool. Like I love that watch. And whenever you think about watches, what means more to you? The sentimental value of a watch or the monetary value? Sentimental value, of course, because there's not, not, there's not an industry like the watch industry in the world, right? These companies are there for 200 years, 250 years, right? Some companies. Like, they're, we don't need timekeeping devices. We don't need, yeah, we need timekeeping devices, but we don't need mechanical timekeeping devices. We don't need wristwatches, but we still love it so much. Right? And that is the beauty of it, right? There's not an object in the world which you can hand down from generation to generation, right? That carries a story from your family, from your friends, from anything, and you can still wear every single day. Name me an object that you can do that with. Mm -hmm. Nothing, uh, there's nothing in the world other than a watch. Yeah, because you used to have, and you probably still do, a relative's watch that you... Yeah, my working. grandfather's watch, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that probably means more to you than oh, yeah, absolutely. any. Yeah. This is just pure money, right? This is pure, I love it, but it's pure money, right? But if I'll sell this and I'll never think about this watch again, right? Yeah. You see what I mean? But that watch is, yeah, that's sentimental, you know? Uh, they, that can't be replaced. Certain things, there's, there are things in this world money can't buy. Yeah. And that is sentimental Definitely. Uh, objects. And selling watches, you've sold them since 2017, What's the most expensive watch you've ever uh, I have been involved with the most expensive sale of $7.2 million, um, which was an incredible, seven, it was the close to 7.2, so um, converted back. But um, yeah, very, very What fun. watch was that? I can't really talk oh, about yeah, that. Oh yeah, you're not then, but, uh, Because it, there's not many watches in the world. I can show you a photo of it later. Yeah, yeah, yeah But it's, uh, it's the like, yeah. <laughs> and uh, what would you say to someone who's listening to this, they follow your stuff and they're contemplating buying a watch from you, but they've never bought a watch before. What would what would you say to that person? What should they look for, pride and opinion, and what should they do? Like, I, I always think that knowledge is power, right? And if you want to buy a watch, try to attach a special memory to it, an achievement. You're graduating from uni or you're... Uh, you stayed alive for 25 years, whatever, right? And attach that memory to that achievement. And this is how you build a watch collection, right? And, and therefore, these things become accolades, right? Oh, this is cool, I bought that there and there. Like there's a watch I wore with, at very special occasions, including the birth of my son. Like, I mean, that watch, my son will see that watch, unless I go absolutely bankrupt. But whatever, right? My son will see that watch when he's, when he's older, right? Because I'm holding him. Uh, with and wearing that watch is very visible. Like, I mean, that's special memories, you know? And what would I say is like, don't go out of your way to buy a watch. First do research and enjoy, start 
try to understand why people enjoy watches. This is the thing, right? People sometimes think, ah, why would mechanical watches be popular and the Apple Watch is damaging the... Apple Watch has done the best thing for the industry that it could ever could have, could have done, right? Apple Watches cre uh, created more wrists than any other watch brand in the world, right? It allowed people to get used to something on their wrist. The next step was after an Apple Watch is, oh, I want a new strap, I want a different strap. Then the next step is getting a fashion watch or getting a half decent watch. Then the next step is buying a luxury watch. Yeah, and when you think about these fashion watches and these luxury watches, and this might be against everything you believe in, but do you think they will ever bring one out that tracks your steps? No. No. No, because, and it's fine, there's nothing wrong with that. I just, I don't, part of luxury means, means very hard to obtain, or it means it is a luxury, right? And for me, I don't wear a watch to tell the time. I wear a watch to 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 have a feeling or to make me feel better or to and it's got nothing to do with money. It's got to do with the story attached to a watch. But a, a fashion watch that is mass produced can never tell me anything other than the time, which I'm not interested in. Yeah. Um. This watch is set on time, but this watch just makes me my balls grow bigger. You see what I mean? It makes me feel better. Yeah. It sounds stupid, but it is what it is. Yeah, hundred percent. And do you feel like? you or anyone else in the watch world judges someone on the watch that they're currently wearing? Every person does that. Every person does and that. And what are they looking for? Is it like this person's successful, this person is into watches? What are, what are you actually looking for? No, I mean, if you, it is, it is, listen, I'm not condoning this, but this is the reality, right? I'm here to say this is black and this is white, right? I'm not saying this is good, but yes, if you walk into a meeting with a Rolex, you will, this meeting will go different than when you walk in with an Apple Watch. It is different. If the other side of the table knows what that actually is, yes, people look different to you. And it's a fact. I'm not saying that it is good or bad. You just cannot deny the fact that that is the case. Because if I am meeting someone or go out and I see someone wearing a Rolex or whatever this was back in the days, I'm like, that guy has done something good in his life. You see what I mean? Otherwise, he wouldn't be able to afford that, which is a fact. Right, but then is doing something good in your life is making enough money, or it's very one-dimensional, if you know what I mean. And do you, do you think ever people buy a watch for the wrong reasons to prove themselves? There, I, I back in the day I said that people buy watches for the wrong reasons and whatever, and I'm like, there isn't a wrong reason to buy a watch. This is their reason, and it's not me. I'm not not in a position to say that that is a good or or a bad reason, you know, and. Back in the day, I w wore watches to give me give me more confidence. And yeah, when I was 16, I couldn't afford a Rolex. I bought a fake Rolex and I put that on my wrist and it made me feel more confident. Now, I'm not saying that you should do that. I say in every, I condone that in any way, shape or form. That was me wearing the watch for the wrong reasons, but for my wrong reasons, right? Because I was insecure. And then I realized I didn't need that watch to give me more confidence. But I learned that at a very later stage in yeah, life. Love that. And on the insecurity thing, that led, led us on to our next question. So when you think about, have you overcame, like, so to get a business to a certain level, there's always gonna be limiting beliefs, there's always gonna be periods of self-doubt. Are there any particular limiting beliefs that stand out that you've been able to overcome to get you to where you are today and how you currently feel? Yeah, of course. I mean, you do not, you do not get to where you are now without any battles, without any uh, wounds or without any, Challenges. I mean, I always say I've started this business, but I didn't build it. We've built this together, you see. 
And this is the big difference with how I approach business. We do everything here together and every decision that we make that is vital for the future of our business, we pull this together, together with the whole team. I was the one that started the business, but we've built this. So with a great team of people. And for me, that also means that the pain sometimes can be shared, right? And yes, there were moments in COVID and the decision to go on YouTube. Well, I didn't want to be on YouTube. Like I didn't want to be on YouTube, period, right? And still today, I find it difficult to go on YouTube, you know, to do videos and stuff. I find it sometimes mentally draining. Yesterday, yeah. I couldn't film for the whole day because I was mentally not there. Yeah. And I still have that after two and a half years. It's weird. But the key here is, is that you don't get to where you are without any battles and without any losses. Like, you lose more than you win. But what is the definition of win and what is the definition of lose? Losing, you see what I mean? That's different. And when you talk about like failure, losing, how do you come back from that? You just do not give up. This is, the, this is as well what happens in, our, in the world, right? So I'm just using YouTube now as an example because it's an easy bridge to do, right? So people think, ah, I'm gonna go on YouTube, I'm gonna make it because people find me interesting. And I'm like, what? First of all, why do you people think you're in? The fact that you think that your life is interesting blows my mind, right? Because what is interesting for you doesn't mean it's interesting for someone else, right? It's really important to understand, right? So people start a YouTube channel and after four videos or after a podcast with four episodes, there's, there's 300 views, 200 views, which is nothing wrong with, or there's 10 views or there's no views. And they stop because it doesn't work. And this is the constant thing I see in business and on YouTube, just using YouTube as an example. After four videos, yeah, it doesn't work. Ah, it doesn't work. YouTube doesn't like me. It doesn't get in the algorithm. It's got nothing to do with YouTube, mate. It's got to do with the fact if you want to play a platform or play a game, you need to understand the rules first. Same as with business, right? You will get adversity. You will get slapped in the face. You will get over. You will get robbed. You will get people that hate you. It is a fact. Deal with it. Man up. Move on. What is your mission? That's where you need to go for. Nothing else. And listen, sorry, that mission needs to be uninterrupted. That it's just, no matter what happens, that mission is number one. If you want to be successful on YouTube or want to be successful in business, yeah, it happens, mate. Oh, I lost 10,000 points. Money comes and goes. It is what it is. Deal with it, right? This is the big thing with what I see with, with the current generation, there's no resilience. And after four videos or two videos or three videos and there's no views or there's no things, it'll just stop it. Ah, yeah, it doesn't work, whatever. I'm not putting time in it. Yeah, exactly. And this is why, you see what Big I mean? Time. Putting the hours in. This is quite funny, right? Maybe I'm talking too much, but whatever. No, no, keep it going. Athletes, this is why athletes will always be big, good entrepreneurs. It's because they, they know that if you're good at sports, if you're good at, not not just sports in particular, but if you if you're able to switch off your mind and just push through pain, that's entrepreneurship. Yeah, prime. And, and that's I think that's what the gym taught me, and I was able to apply that. So whenever I start started in the fitness industry and started training and all those things, the gym and training and working out or being an athlete can teach you discipline oh, for a start. Discipline is everything. Because you you're disciplined, you show up. 
you do the necessary stuff. It teaches you that failure's okay because whenever you're in the gym and you fail, you're actually chasing failure some of the ah. time and you want to be okay with that and being able to bounce back from that. And also it gave me structure and routine because I knew that I had to plan out my day to a point that I could fit in a gym session at the time around a uni schedule, a full-time job and a part-time kind of side project, which was the personal training at the time. So it shows you that, that like you say, they can then directly correlate with what you're then trying yeah. to achieve in business as well. You see what I mean? Yeah. It's all about discipline. It's all about pushing through pain zones, which is e the equivalent of entrepreneurs. Big time. Nico, I've heard you talk about having ADHD before and being diagnosed with that. How does that affect you on a day-to-day -day basis? It's a superpower above anything else. And I've always, I've always used it as an, as an excuse when I was young until I realized it's, it's actually a superpower, whatever it is, yeah. right? It gave me, gave me the, the creativity, it gave me the, the mentality, the, the fact that I can push through things, the fact that um, I am over-passionate, I'm, I'm, I'm hyper-focused from time to time. <laughs> Most of the time I'm distracted, to be honest, but whatever, <laughs> right? It's me, it, I was diagnosed at a very young age, I was four or five years old, and went through the whole rigmarole of, of psychiatrists or child psychiatrists. And there was a book written by a doctor called Dr. Nordsai, uh, whatever. And there's a big part about research because ADHD in the Netherlands was quite very, it was an American thing, right? So they wrote a book about behaviors and shit like that. I did find it difficult as a child. I don't remember much, but I do remember constantly moving school and I didn't understand why. Today, it doesn't, I think it didn't leave anything bad, bad now, but like I was, well, I, I drove with Junior, with my boy and my missus in, in the car in the Netherlands. And I just went through my old neighborhood, right? To show them, not that Junior knows, he's 10 months, but whatever, right? <laughs> it's funny, <laughs> right? Um, and it's like, that's my old school, but that's also my old school. And that's also my old, that, that yeah, really yeah. like, it's, it's weird, like, um, but it is a superpower, mate. It is a superpower. I'm very blessed with it. Um, and there's a lot of downsides with it as well, but um, the positive outweighs the Big time. negatives. People don't know this, but it's, it is pretty hardcore. Like, I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, 100%. And obviously people see you on social media. Do you think anyone would have, or there's a common misconception around who you actually are or how you operate? I don't know, and I don't really care. Um, the people that uh, the people that are care the people that I care about have my phone number. So uh, if you don't have my phone number, I don't care about you. So yeah. your opinion doesn't really matter to me anyway. But like this is a big change for me because years ago I wanted validation. I was searching validation. Now I don't give a f anymore, mate. I just don't. Right? Yeah, whatever. If you're a nice guy, you're a nice guy. I respect you, right? And if you have an opinion uh, about me, that's fantastic. But you don't know me because you don't have my number. You see what I mean? So, yeah, yeah you don't really know me. Yeah, big time. I, you see, I don't follow you on, on social media, so I don't know who you are. Yeah, and this is the thing, because perception's a wonderful thing, but also a huge drawback, because I was on a night out recently, and someone told me, oh, Johnny, I didn't think you'd be a nice person. I didn't think you would give anyone the time of day. Like, you post all this stuff on social media. And then I'd say at the end of the night, he came up to me, and he'd had a few drinks. He said, Johnny, you're actually a really good lad. Right. But people then make these opinions of someone like Nico that they've never met before. So how can you have an opinion? Ah. This, and it's, but it's in our human nature, right? And people say, ah, it's Northern Ireland putting people down. It's a load of 
got nothing to do with Northern Ireland. It's in our in our nature, right? Let me tell you one thing about Northern Ireland. It gave me everything I have today. So that misconception that it's I always hear this as the Northern Irish, as Northern Ireland, I always putting people down. Load of right. Just take take accountability for your own actions, please. Here, right. This is what it is. Um, but honestly, I couldn't give two what's going on. I just don't. I just I don't. Sometimes when I'm vulnerable. I go and read Reddits, right? And there's people talking bad about me and I just do that. And it, it, it does hurt, but I do that on purpose to try to strengthen me for next time. Right? Where people talk about you or whatever, or just talk lies and like, whatever. Yeah, and it's But also I do read it because I, it's like a self-torture that makes you strong. It sounds really, it works for me, I think. Yeah. Maybe I'm completely wrong, I don't know, but I'm in the process of understanding how to use that as a weapon. Yeah, and even even flipping that as well on its head and I'd say understanding where the person that needs to dedicate their time to actually slobber about someone else is in their life and how they're actually currently feeling. To be fair, to be fair, I've slagged enough people off in my life as well. So, <laughs> like, you see, like, it, it, what comes around goes around, you know, so be very, be very realistic about that. But, like, ADHD, to give you a go back to that, parents are worried that their kids have ADHD and it's bad. And so, like, it's not bad. It is, my parents fought for me my entire life. Okay, I've been kicked out of every school possible because I was hyperactive or I wasn't able to be in control because... I was just bored, man. I was just bored, right? This is the thing, right? I was just bored. You need to make sure that your child is not bored. Yeah, it's all and they're actually following their passion because that's going to make their I mean? life a lot easier. Like, there's not the most passionate people in the world for sure. People with ADHD, they're nuts. I love it. There's a lot of positive out of that, and there's this negative cliche on this, and I off yeah like i mean it is harder for that that is the most resilient if there's if you see a successful person with adhd that's the most strongest man in the world for sure 100 percent. Right? and i suppose on business we're sitting in your lovely offices your studio here i've been around the the office it's amazing and you've built something special has there ever been a challenging time in business since 2017 <laughs> or has it all been a challenge <laughs> it doesn't bear in the woods <laughs> oh. Mate, it's every year it's a challenge. Every month is a challenge. And still today we're challenging. We need to pay this office and that. We have several of the two offices here in Belfast. Like, it's not easy, mate. Like, I'm this this business is self-funded. We don't have investors. We don't have... I'm the sole shareholder. Um, I have a great team. I, I'm like, it's always a challenge. And damn right it should be because it keeps you on your toes. I was actually speaking with Stephen about this. Stephen um, is the ma I'm managing director, right? And I was like, Stephen, he's like, Nico, when do we ever have a smooth moment? Because I would really love that. The fact is, if it's smooth, we're not growing, right? We're not growing as a business, as a person. Look at yourself three years ago and look at yourself now. See where you are. If that was, if this was smooth sailing, you wouldn't be where, where you are today. We wouldn't be where you are today. Yeah. I wouldn't be where I am today if it was all smooth sailing. And I would like, I would like to have another six years of that. Another six years of battling every day because that grows me. Yeah. It may, it tires me out, 
uh, but I'm not, I'm, uh, I'm ready for it, you know. Yeah, big time. And I think challenging business is essentially inevitable and it's your ability to actually take more from the challenge than it takes from you because then uh, that's constantly growing you as a person and you're actually getting to a place where you can actually move forward. So, yeah, what's happening in the, the watch world right now? What's, what's going down? What's crazy, man. Rolex buying the bi one of the biggest retailers in the world. It's going to change our landscape. It's hopefully taking away... Uh, dealerships in Northern Ireland as well by uh, local dealers. Um, I expect that their supply will be significantly less, which means um, in the end, at a certain point in five years or 10 years, um, I hope that Rolex either opens a sh shop themselves here or takes it away from the small time family dealer, which here, and I can name the name, uh, Lons, um, they've just, uh, Northern Ireland deserves better, uh, for sure. And, and the island of Ireland has two or three other dealers um, and, and, and it's really interesting to see Rolex taking control over their own sales channels and the reason for this is bad customer service, bad um, brand representation and um, yeah I can't wait to see that happening in Northern Ireland uh, on the island of Ireland in general because that's what this island deserves. There's some of the most craziest watches on this island no one knows about. There's a crazy collectors on this island no one knows about. And uh, this country has been continuously 10 years behind the rest of the world. And I just want to see that moving forward. So for that's yeah. what's happening in the watch industry today. 100%. And average day for Nego right now, what does it look like? Um, up at about 6.30. Hopefully I can see my wee boy. In the morning, um, I don't have breakfast. I don't do breakfast. Uh, I just can't. I get. I'm in the office by about eight, eight thirty, and depends if it's a travel day, it's a film day, or whatever. I usually do the really difficult stuff, some admin stuff in the morning. I have meetings with my assistant Laura uh, to plan out. We we have a meet. We have a meeting every evening where we figure out what happened the next day, so we're prepared. Then we execute that in the in the morning. The afternoon is usually filming, and uh, then we have some more pre preparation stuff. We have, a, have two other businesses launching very soon, um, and I'm usually home around 10, 11 uh, p.m. Yeah. So I, I, I barely have dinner at home. I usually have dinner here in the office. Yeah. This is why I see a bit of a, like a nice bar, because this is, this is not just an office. This is also a home front. Yeah. 100%, 100%. And health and fitness related podcast, obviously loads of people listening will be Yeah, you chose that. the wrong person to be on, man. <laughs> I think uh, I've seen your boxing stuff. Tell us, tell us, are you allowed to share? Or yeah, yeah, of cool? course. Like, I mean, um, the reason why I'm where I am is not, I've, I haven't always been like this. I've been very athletic. Um, and of course, I have the ambition to get back to that. Boxing allows me to do that. Um, there's a big, I've been called out several times by this YouTuber or whatever the he is right i don't give a he's a he's not a, he's from new york but he's not from new york it's weirdo right it's like me from northern ireland but i'm not from northern ireland right it's one of those uh it's not the wrong way uh, <laughs> um um started talking business deal went wrong wanted to do boxing got a boxing match organized kingpin it up offered just walked like they got bust or they're bankrupt or whatever and I'm like now I'm being called out because Kingpin got bankrupt and I'm like f you I'm gonna organize this in Northern Ireland then go f yourself right calling me a f because some promotion or promote whatever company goes bankrupt and therefore our fight doesn't go through I'll just do it myself then 
it's like so is that in the pipeline then yeah for 2023 for this year yeah look forward to that so um, i need to drop a lot of weight in a very short amount of time like yeah and w well so what what are you kind of implementing or what strategies are you going to use now to to do that it's just food fast and fast and drink 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 uh, fast and fast and fast and, yeah uh, because if i know it's pointless for me to start running now yeah. I know I know my body more than better than anyone. Yeah, of course. It's pointless to start running because yeah. I'm not losing weight. Yeah. You see what I mean? It is doesn't work. I need to drop this weight first. Uh, that that just helps my knees and my and the rest of my yeah, joints. Of uh, to 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 just take the pressure off my joints. Yeah. I'll I'll drop I'll drop about fifteen kilos in the next month and a half. It's not healthy, but we need to get there first. Then I'll start properly running. Um, yeah doing some weights and stuff like that that's fine i have a full gym set up at home um but for me going in going to the gym is probably my worst nightmare yeah going to a public gym yeah. that is genuinely one of my worst nightmares uh, and, I, and i appreciate you sharing that because i think so many people watching this will feel the same way and i think the gym can be an uncomfortable place and oh. going into a new gym and you feel like especially because you're in the public eye everyone knows me here like they're they're gonna they're gonna look at what i'm doing they're gonna say i'm doing things wrong but in actual fact what i've came to realize is that's far from the case and i think most people in the gym are too vain to even worry about what you're doing they're not even looking at you and i think that would be obviously a good thing to to get to a place where you felt comfortable doing that because there's loads of people listening feeling the same way and you'll you'll actually get to a place where you actually enjoy the gym because you need to find enjoyment and you talked about running there like you're not going to enjoy running the roads but you can actually find a training style that you actually enjoy a training style that actually works for you fits in with your busy schedule and gets you the desired outcome because then you'll do that and also then even with the weight loss like i know you might need to drop weight for the fight but even for anyone listening to it, it's like being able to actually ask yourself right what could be possible if i allowed myself a little bit more time and would this actually be more sustainable the question we always ask the people is what you're doing right now, whenever it comes to health and fitness, do you see yourself doing it forever? If the answer is no, don't do it. If the answer is yes, then do it, because then you're going to actually sustain the overall. Like I want, of course, I want to feel more fit, and I want to be, and I want to feel better. Of course, that is the case, because I will be able to perform much better at a significantly higher level than I already do. So I know that, and this is all good. But I love food as well. I'm not going to lie, mate. Um, yeah. it's like I'm, I'm fat not because I eat bad. Maybe I do. But I just eat bad at wrong times, mate. Like, I can go the whole day without eating. I'm not joking. I wake up, wake up, haven't eaten anything. Yesterday was the case that I didn't eat anything till 9 p.m. That's my problem. Yeah. Eating at 9 p.m. And then it's a takeaway or a... Yeah. Whatever. And You see what I mean? And that is the... I know exactly what... Like, I'm a former athlete. Yeah. I can, I can drop very quickly, and I noticed that a few months ago. I'm like, I dropped like five kilos in, a, in less than a week. And I was like, ah, oh, I still have it, right? Good. And it's all in the mind as well, you know. But this is the thing, right? People, Some people are addicted to gym, and, and yeah. they have to work it out every day. I had a conversation yesterday. It's like, you're addicted to work. And we actually said this earlier. So like, I can't go on a holiday, mate. I get a panic attack. I genuinely get a panic attack. Last time I was on a holiday, I ended up in a hospital in my yeah. second week. Yeah. I ended up in hospital for three days, mate. Yeah. Like, it was bizarre. Every time something... Like, this is just anxiety and whatever, but this is the addiction to work. Now, I understand that it's exactly the same with, it sorry, with it being yeah. addicted to the gym. 100%, 100%. And I think that's the thing, and it's striking that nice balance between actually training, fitness, health, complementing your life as opposed to complicating it. And you said there, 
often we know what we need to do, but sometimes it's the actual accountability to actually say, right, I need someone in my corner pushing me, challenging me and doing X, Y, and Z. Because like 90% of our clients know exactly how to get in shape, but equally they need someone to hold them to a higher standard than they currently hold themselves because it's easy to let your own personal standards slip. So yeah, 100%. And I suppose football, you're a big, big football man. You don't like Liverpool. Who do you support then? I don't really support any English teams, you know. I don't really, listen, I have a few friends of mine that play football, I support them, and I'm grateful that I can see them playing. And uh, a bit gutted that, that Leeds United dropped because I would have loved to see Stu playing yeah, in the yeah. Premier League. Because 100%. the first season of lockdown, second season, he played three games, broke his leg. Um, he's still not 100% recovered. Um, but I would love to see, love, love to have seen that. But unfortunately, that's. It's more, it's harder for him than for me. Let's be very clear, <laughs> yeah, right. But no, I don't really. I just, I'm always against. It. So uh, uh, Stephen, our managing director, is Liverpool supporter. So go I just, against him. I just constantly go. Out. Man United done well, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. See what I mean? It's just yeah. winding the whole show up, and I'll do that constantly. Like yeah. just winding them up. A hundred percent. And I suppose you've achieved a lot in your life. I think I know the answer already. To this, but what is your proudest moment to date? Uh, birth of my son. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. Money, money comes and goes, bro. Money comes and goes, and business comes and goes. My, my goal and the ultimate goal for any business or any entrepreneur should be not transactional profit, but should be brand equity. It should be about the business superseding or the business surviving its founder. That's what I want to create with pride and opinion. I love it. Fantastic. Nothing comes close to the birth of my son. Yeah, just love nothing. That. Class, Nothing. and the last few questions are a bit of fun. So, is there anyone that you haven't sold a watch to right now that you want to sell a watch to? I would love to sell a lot of people watches, you know. That would be good for business, you know. <laughs> yeah, that would I can good. do with a few more clients, you know. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, no, no, yeah. there's, there's like a million people. Uh, how many people in the world? All of them. I want to yeah. sell them watches. Everyone, yeah, love right. that. And we're talking about health and fitness. You don't like the gym that much, but do you have like a favorite gym exercise that you don't actually mind doing that much? I, I like strength training, but I you know what I think? I don't like the gym, but I love football. I love golf. Yeah. I love squash or whatever the you call that here. Yeah. Right? I love these extreme explosive sports. I love it. Yeah. I just love it. I would do, I would do that. Yeah, I love that 100%. And who's the most famous person in your phone book? Good question. I don't know. Sometimes we're not allowed to not allowed to share this one with certain people. But no, you can. I don't. I don't care. Uh, yeah. I think it would be. I think it would be Drake. I think it would be Drake, wouldn't it? Drake. Yeah, that's yeah. impressive. Yeah. Yeah, I think it would be. That would be. That would be quite high up. That there. is good. Big fan as well. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, hundred percent. Like I don't really do fanboy and but that guy's. That's the one. So I suppose final, we close the podcast with this question every time. So what does becoming unstoppable mean to you? Being able to be the person that adds the most value and be able to do that for an extremely long time. But the question, the thing here is being the guy that adds the most value in society, in the environment in your industry in your niche and whenever you do that you and you get paid for it that is unstoppable for me because the moment you you're adding value to 
someone else's lives that is extremely valuable. I always say you need to add value to three people's lives every day. This can be with a smile, laugh. That doesn't mean money, yeah. right? No money. Value is, there's a broader term around value, right? It can, it can be inspired, can be making someone smile, making feel better than before. That's the key. But adding the most value and having a good life, meanwhile, means you're absolutely unstoppable. Yeah, 100%. Love that. Nego. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate you coming down. That was great. And another incredible podcast with Nego. And if you liked it, don't forget to subscribe. And I'll speak to you in the next episode.